Turn with me to the book of Matthew as we look this morning again, continuing our study in the beautiful gospel of Matthew. And we've turned a corner, you remember? Jesus is now speaking in parables. And so we're going to be in the parables for the next few weeks. Glorious place to be. And so we're going to pick it up with, with uh, Matthew's gospel, chapter 14. And we're going to look here, excuse me, chapter 13. And we're going to look here together about the parable of the weeds. Chapter 13, verse 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat. And then they went away. So that when the plants came up and bore grain, well, the weeds also appeared. Verse 27. And the servants of the master of the house came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, Well, an enemy has come to do this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? He said, No, no. At least in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And then at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. And God richly bless the reading of his word to our hearts this day. Father, speak to us as only you can through your word. Thank you for what we've already experienced today. Thank you for what you're going to continue to do in this church, in the lives of these people, in this community, in the days and weeks ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. What a great parable. You know, in Matthew's gospel, he just goes through several of these parables as he's describing his kingdom. And I said before, and I want you to hear me say it again, there is a pivot, there is a change here where Jesus begins to speak in parables. And you know, you may ask the obvious question, why does he do that? Why does he just come right out and say what he's well, there's a lot of reasons for it, but among them we find perhaps the primary reason, I should say the primary reason, he tells us why. We find in Math in Mark's Gospel, chapter four. Because in Mark's Gospel, chapter four, verse ten. And when Jesus was alone with those around him, the twelve asked him and said to tell us about the parables. Why are you speaking in parables? In other words, he really, you know, when he's speaking on the Sermon on the Mount, it was pretty clear. Now he's speaking in parables. But remember what has happened, that the whole thing of the unpardonable sin, the whole thing where the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders and the Jews of the day had not only rejected Jesus, but had called him Satan. They had said he's not only just a false prophet, he's actually of Satan. They rejected him entirely and blasphemed him in that way. And so he says to them, Well, to you who has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that... Jesus tells us why he's teaching in parables. Everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand. Least they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? 
How then will you understand all the parables? What's all that mean? Well, I think Jesus is saying they're not going to hear. They've been given the opportunity to hear. They've rejected. And so the more they hear, the more judgment's going to come upon them when they reject. So really for their own benefit, I'm going to speak in parables so they won't understand it. There's a great warning there about hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. Once you hear it, you're responsible for it. The world doesn't like to hear that. We want to believe somehow or another that we're all going to make it in the end. We want to believe love wins and everything's all right. And indeed, love does win. It won on the cross. Amen? It wins every day. But sin is still sin and judgment is still judgment and God is still holy. And that's the message that Satan doesn't want us to preach. And that's the message the world doesn't want us to share. And Jesus is saying here, I'm speaking in parables because they have rejected so many times. It's they're blinded to it. And it's really so that they don't, their own protection, in a sense. And for those who understand, it'll be open to you. So I pray even this morning as I attempt in my feeble human way to unpack God's word, that this parable will be open to you and you'll remember it and it'll make sense to you and it'll be truth and light in your life. So let's go back and look at it again. The parable of the weeds. The kingdom of heaven is like a man... Compared to a man who sowed good seeds. Now, first, look at this. Sowed good seeds. We're in, we're in his field. Well, what's the kingdom of heaven? Well, that's God's kingdom, both in heaven and on earth. It's the whole thing. And so what he's talking about here, listen to me. He's not talking about the church. Sometimes people read this parable and they quickly think, well, he's talking about the church. And in the church there are weeds and there are, you know, they are regenerate and unregenerate. That's true, but that's another story for another day. He's not talking about that here. He's talking here about the kingdom of heaven. God. His kingdom is both in heaven and where is it? Jesus has said it's here on earth. You and I are part of his kingdom. If you're a born-again, regenerate follower of Jesus Christ, you're not only a citizen of the great state of Kansas, the United States of America, but you are, most importantly, eternally, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And he is your king. So he's talking here about God's kingdom. God is the one who plants the seed. Just as the owner of the land planted the seed, the kingdom of heaven, God plants the seed. So the kingdom of heaven may be carried to a man, compared to a man who plants what good seed in his field. Now, you can't take, listen to me, you can't take any parable and draw the analogy out to some sort of conclusion that bends the truth. That's not the point of it. So you can't say that some are born good. Because the Bible makes it abundantly clear. Why? There is none good, no, not one. Some of you in here may be of Reformed theology and believe about the election. We can talk all about that. I'd love to. It's great, rich, and wonderful doctrine. But even Reformed Calvinists would not suggest that you're born regenerate. <laughs> that you're born in sin. Something happens and you're regenerated at some point, but you're born in sin. That's another story for another day. But I don't want you to misunderstand this. He's not talking about that. What he's talking about is here in the world, listen, here in the world, there are both believers and non-believers. There are good wheat and there are weeds. He, that's what he says. 
And so what's that mean? It's glorious. It means this. We're to be among the weeds. <laughs> we're not to cloister ourselves away in some sort of, of cult or group and stay away from the world. That's not the point. That's why we said when we replanted this church, we're here to make much of Jesus, to make disciples who make disciples, which result in what? The community being noticeably better. The world being noticeably better because the people of God are here. Those who love Jesus, those who have been redeemed, those whose lives have been changed. We're not to cloister away. We're not to cut ourselves off from the world. We're to be in the world. Jesus says to be in the world but not of the world. And in this glorious parable we see that God plants good seed out there. And so all he has people in every community. When the Apostle Paul was discouraged, frightened, because doing ministry and proclaiming the truth in a sinful world is frightening. The Lord came to him and said, stop being afraid. He didn't say don't be afraid. He said stop being afraid because Paul was obviously afraid. Stop being afraid. Jesus said, because I have people in this city you don't know of. There's good seed in this city. There's good seed in this county. There's good seed all over the place. And I'm grateful for those of you who've been redeemed and reclaimed by the blood of Christ and you've followed him in baptism and you are in that sense good seed. So there you are. The kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom, is like a man who sowed seeds in his field. God owns the whole world. And across the whole globe, and you know, you, wherever you go, you find believers in the most unbelievable place. In the most hostile environment for Christians, you'll find some of the strongest Christians against all odds. You can go to any country where Christianity is banned and we're under a penalty of death, and you will find this morning believers who are worshiping in secret. God has good seed. Can we just celebrate that this morning? But what happens? While his men were sleeping, I like this too. God not only has good seed, he's got workers in the harvest. All right? So we, we, we're working, we're serving. And, and we're human, and we don't work 24 hours a day. All right? We don't. We, we can't. And, and, and Satan is never at rest. He's like a lion seeking who may be devour. That whom, whom he may devour. That is why, as the church... As a husband, as a wife, as a, a family member, a, 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 as a church member, we need to always be aware that we can't let down our guard. While we may rest, while we may take a break, because we may need to, Satan never does. He's always at work trying to destroy the kingdom of God. You've heard me say on so many occasions, the one thing Satan detests is God's glory. He detested it in heaven. He detested it in the Garden of Eden. He detested it in this church. He detested it in your life. And he'll do everything he can do to rob God of his glory. So while the servants are resting, Satan's not. And he and his dominions come in and they plant weeds in the world. So that's what he has. Here's the field. The field is the world. The world has some good wheat, and it has some weeds that were planted not by God, but by Satan. Listen, that's an important thing. 
God is, listen to me, God is not the author or the instigator of evil. That is Satan who does that. And when you see someone who is a non-believer, you see someone who is an atheist, you see someone who is opposed to the gospel, you see someone who is an enemy of the truth, you have to understand that that is the work of Satan in their life, that they are captive to him. It is the evil one who has done that. Do you understand that? That's important to know. That's an important distinction. That's why it's altogether legitimate to say we can detest the sin, but we must love the sinner. It is Satan who snuck into the field when our backs were turned, and he plants the weeds. And so the servants, that's us, we look around and we see all these weeds. And so we go to God and we say, you want us to rip them out? <laughs> and don't we want to do that? Don't we look around this world and go, man, let's just, let's just get rid of that group. I just wish they weren't here. I wish they didn't live like that. I wish they didn't act like that. This world's such a wicked place, and we just want to call down judgment on everybody. You remember when John and James, the sons of thunder, there were some people who were being rude to Jesus, and what did they say? Hey, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and burn them up? That may sound a little drastic, and it probably is. But they were recalling an Old Testament story where the enemies of God were consumed by fire. And they really thought they were doing the right thing. They, weren't, they didn't think they were being over the top. You wouldn't come to Jesus and ask him something like that unless you thought he's probably going to say yes. Much to their surprise, he said, no, that's not your job. Can I let you in on something? Listen to me. If you don't hear anything else I say here today, hey, lost people... You ready? You might want to write this down. Act like lost people because they're lost. Weeds act like weeds because they're weeds. And when we think that lost people ought to have the same ethic and moral compass that we have, we don't understand what we have. They don't. They don't have the moral and ethic compass. Our job is not to condemn them. Our job is not to rip them out. Our job is not to cast them and, and be their judge and executioner. Our job, listen to me, is to live among them. Now, we speak the truth, but dear church, we speak it in love. I told you before, you know, we look at James and John and we say, that's a little harsh. You, you know, these people just rejected Jesus. You want to burn them up? You want to consume them? You want to call down fire from heaven? Man, chill out a little bit. But you know what? When you and I look at this world, and I'll tell you what, there, there are some ugly weeds in this world, amen? I mean, there are, and they are choking us out, and we feel like we can't, we just feel pressured on us, and we just look around and go, this world would be such a better place if these weeds weren't here. And finally, sometimes what we want to say is, and some of you have said it, Lord, I just wish you'd come back and destroy this lousy world and take us home to heaven. Well, that's no different than James and John saying, you want us to call down fire from heaven and burn them all up? Because that's what you're saying. We're to live among the world. We're to be a witness in this world. Look. The more wicked the world becomes, listen to me, church, the more wicked the world becomes, the more opportunity we have to show what it's like to live for Jesus. 
The more wicked the world becomes and the more antagonistic they become toward us, the more opportunity we have to show them what it's like, listen to me, to love your enemies. Jesus said, if someone smites you on the cheek, you turn to him the other one. You don't smite him back. You don't repay an eye for an eye as a Christian. That's what the parables, that's what the servants wanted to do. If that guy came in here at night and planted the weeds, let's go rip the weeds up. And why did Jesus say no? Because you might inadvertently rip up something that's not a weed. It may look like a weed, but it's not a weed. <laughs> Only God really... Listen, this is good. Oh, not because I'm saying it, because it's true. Only God really knows what's a weed and what's not. Only God really knows. You don't know. I don't know. I don't know someone's heart. If we look at the disciples, we would have thought Judas was a great plant. He was a weed. God says, Jesus says, you don't know the difference. It's not your job. You don't live in this world to condemn it and to hate it and to want those people gone. You live in this world to be a beautiful plant among the weeds. To glorify your God with the way you live your life. And to love this world that is captive by sin. And to pray that these weeds become flowers again in the garden of God. And to do all you can to bring them to that. Not by being mean to them and angry with them and wanting to cut them up and burn them up. But wanting them to see the joy and the gloriousness of being part of the Savior's family. That's what we want. So the servant said to them, you want us to go and gather them up? No, lest you gather the weeds, you root up some of the wheat with them. You'll destroy some people. You start doing that, you're going to tear up people's lives. And you'll root up some of the wheat with them. Look, you don't know enough. However, however, look at verse 30. This is a certainty. Let them both grow together until the harvest. Hey, listen to me, church. You don't like your unsaved neighbor? You don't like those people in town who behave a way you don't think they should behave? That's your problem. You're supposed to live among them. You're not supposed to become like them, but you're certainly supposed to live among them. Jesus says, let them grow together. However, listen, until the harvest. I want you to know this morning, there is going to be a harvest. I wear the International Harvester hat because you cannot deny the fact that there is going to be a harvest. There'll come a day when there'll be a reaping. And Jesus makes it clear. Right now, it's not your job to tear up the weeds. Right now, it's not your job to burn up the weeds. Not right now, it's not your, it's your job to live among them and live a godly life and love them. But there will come a harvest. And I will tell the reapers, and you're not the reaper. The angels are. Another story for another day. I will tell the reapers, and they'll gather the weeds first, and they're going to bind those weeds into bundles, and they're going to burn them. Dear ones, I can't tell you how many times, well, I could tell you. Jesus speaks about hell more than anyone else in the Bible. Now, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to act like it's real. Many mainline denominations deny it. But here, even in this parable, Jesus says they are going to be burned. Folks, that's not a small matter. 
What happens to the weeds is not a good thing. So when you see something that's a weed in your neighborhood, a weed among your family, a weed among your in-laws, a weed at the work at workplace, you need to realize unless the, unless, unless the activity of God comes on that person's life, unless they hear the good news and respond in faith, their ultimate eternity is one of burning. Their ultimate eternity is really one of burning. I want to read this to you. Someone has written these words. Anything that is sinful and unbelieving offends him. All of those who work, all of those who work iniquity. Just two ways of defining sinful people. All who are ultimately without Christ will be thrown into a furnace of fire. Now that fire is the most horrible death that man ever experiences. And the fire, the fire is the imagery of eternal hell. It speaks of the terrible and everlasting doom of the unrighteous, the sons of Satan. It is used again and again and again in Scripture. We read in the scripture about the weeds being burned, about the chaff being burned, about the branches being burned. Even in the Old Testament, the trees are burned. And here we see it where the weeds are burned. The undying, the idea, listen, the idea that the ungodly will be consumed in fire is throughout the scripture. It pictures the same thing that the furnace of fire does, that the lake of fire in Revelation 19, that the unquenchable fire in Mark chapter 9, that the everlasting fire in Matthew 25. It is the consuming fire of hell. It's the same fire of Malachi 4, the same devastating judgment that Daniel alludes to in Daniel chapter 12. It is the eternal punishment of hell. And the reaction in verse 42 is so frightening. Grinding teeth, piercing shrieks is what it really says. That's the reaction. Grinding teeth, piercing shrieks. People think they're going to be in hell. Everything's going to be fine. They're going to be with their friends. They'll love it down there. The scripture tells us not only is hell a fire, but it tells you what your reaction is going to be when you're there. Grinding teeth and piercing shrieks. Painful, eternal, inescapable judgment of God. Hell is not the absence of God. Hell is the eternal presence of the holy God's wrath. This parable is powerful. It's powerful because it tells us we're to live among the world and love the world and not try to run away from the world. We're not to try to rip up the weeds and kill them. We're not to try to judge them. We're not to try to burn them. And we don't really always know what a weed is and what a weed isn't. But that doesn't mean there won't come a time when there will be a harvest. It's appointed unto man once to die and after death, what? The judgment. And if we're not dead, when the Lord comes back and we're all the, we're, we go meet with him, there will be that great judgment. And there will come a time when you're unregenerate, unrighteous, and you stand before a holy God and you have no hope. All of your good works are nothing. They cannot begin to measure up to the holiness of God and the sin that you have created. Amen. And he said, at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and burn them in bundles. And then what he would do with the wheat, 
gather the wheat and bring them home to me. Bring them into my barn. How many times in God's word do you see the ultimate black and white? And our world does not like black and white. Satan wants to confuse our minds and think it can't be that simple. It can't be that dogmatic. It can't be that some are saved and some are lost and some go to hell and some go to heaven. It is. It's what God's word says. And let me just say, let's assume for one nano of a second, you may be right and I'm wrong. What do I have to lose? But let's assume I'm right and you're wrong. You lose everything for all eternity. You better think serious about this. Because this is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who, was lived, who lived a human existence, died a human death, and came back to life. And if you won't listen to him, you've got some problems. And he says here that the kingdom of God, God's world, is like a field where he plants some good wheat. And bless God, you and I, and we'll talk for a moment about what that means. We are the wheat. But there's also some weeds that Satan has planted. And at some point, the reapers are going to come, and it's not you and me. At some point, the harvest is going to come, and they're going to be judgment. And the first things that are going to go are the weeds, and they're going to be burned. They're going to, and that, all that imagery I just shared with you is what he's talking about. And then those of us who've been redeemed, we're going to go to his barn. <laughs> that is paradise forever. So the question ultimately before us is, how do I know whether I'm wheat or whether I'm a weed? Well, it's a good question. We've got five minutes, so I'm not really going to be able to cover all that except to say this. Ultimately, it's not about who you are or what you've done. It's about what Jesus has done and have you trusted him for salvation. Because you can't be good enough to undo everything. You can't be good enough to become a wheat. No way. You're a weed, you're born a weed, you're going to always be a weed. Doesn't matter what you do, you can't change yourself into a weed. But if you see that you're a weed, and you know that you're a weed, and you wish you weren't a weed, and you long to be a weed, and you long to be his, all you have to do is acknowledge your sinfulness, ask him to redeem you, trust him to save you, and God will regenerate you. He'll do for you what you cannot do for yourself. He will take the punishment of, of your sin and lay it on his son, Jesus Christ. And when he looks at you, he'll see you not as a weed, but as wheat. Not on what you've accomplished, but on what his son has accomplished. That's how you know you're a wheat. Now, the book of James and others say, if you are a wheat, you're going to kind of look like wheat. Not all the time. As Jesus says, there'll be time you'll act like a weed. You live with me 24-7 like Jill does. You see me act like a weed a lot of times. But ultimately, I'm not a weed. Not because of anything I've done. I'm a, I know, ultimately, I'm his child. And ultimately, even when I act like a weed, I don't want to stay that way. I don't find my joy and ultimate satisfaction in that. And thank God I want to repent and I want to come back to him. So this morning, where are you in this parable? No more important question has ever been asked. Are you a weed? Do you know for sure that when judgment comes, you're not going to be put in that bundle and burned for all eternity? You're going to be gathered in the barn. And again, it's not based on your church membership. It's not based on anything you've done. It's not based on what a good person you are. Have you responded to Jesus Christ? Have you claimed him as Lord? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sin? Of your sin? And do you know that he has? 
the glorious scripture that we heard this morning was this. These things are written so that you might know you have eternal life. You can know today you're a child of God. If you're a weed, there's still hope. The other thing I want you to remember this morning as you walk out of here is God's calls you to live among the weeds. We're to judge, in a sense, church, we're to judge one another as believers. We're to hold each other accountable. But to judge the world, they're just acting like the world. They're just living like a weed. We need to have compassion on a lost world and love for a lost world. And we show them the truth by the way we live our life in the midst of darkness. We bloom as a glorious flower in a group of weeds. And in that, we show the difference between light and darkness, life and death. May God bless the reading and the speaking of his word to our hearts this morning. Father, if there are those here who need to acknowledge you as Lord and Savior for the first time or who need to make sure and have some assurance of that salvation, may they even do it at this moment during this prayer. And Father, for those of us who are by your grace and not by our works, we are wheat. Forgive us when we have been angry at the weeds. <laughs> Lord, help us have compassion on them and love for them and a desire to see them come to know you. And Lord, may we be motivated by the fact that one day there is a harvest that will come and there will be a judgment and it is eternal. So when we see people that don't like us, we see people that don't love us, we see people that are opposed to us, may we see them through your eyes and realize their future is so terrible. May we have deep compassion on them and may they even see that in our eyes and hear that in our voice, I pray in Christ's name, amen.